research interpretation blog for many years. Since September 2020, I've been hosting a weekly chat with a few pre-service teachers and a few teacher educators. This has been an informal chat about the previous week's blog and the associated paper if people have had a chance to read it. And such has been the quality of these chats that I decided to present it as a podcast. In episode three, nine of us, five pre-service teachers and four P academics, discuss Risto, Martinin and colleagues' 2019 paper, Students' Perceptions of Technology Integration During the FIT Unit, from volume 90 of Research Quarterly of Exercise and Sport. It begins with an around-the-table discussion of the blog. Over to you, Charlie. Yeah, I thought it was quite an interesting idea, the using like the Fitbits and accelerometers and that, to try and get people more engaged in PE. Um, I, sadly, I didn't get much else from the paper. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought it was quite a good idea. Um, I think I can kind of see why it did and didn't work in as much as you go for a shower, you forget to put the thing back on. Um, yeah, sorry, I wish I had more to say. That was kind of all I got out of it. I guess what I really enjoyed about the blog, I only read the blog, was in reference to the paper and how it sort of brought like the intersection between physical activity research and uh, PE. Because, um, you know, just recently over COVID, over during this quarantine bit, uh, the definition of what PE is has really been challenged with how in the UK we had a physical activity man called Joe Wicks who would just do a bunch of physical activity classes and he was the UK's PE teacher which people some people didn't agree with and I just really like how this this idea of wearing Fitbits or just wearing you know trackers during PE how it's actually sort of questions you know what is the role of PE is it just simply to do that physical activity bit and I I personally think that there's like definitely a time for it just to be focused on that physical activity and just on how many steps you get because at the end of the day it reflects like wearing fitbits reflects the future for these children the future ways that they'll engage with exercise and their lives that all have fitbits or apple watches or whatever maybe so i think it's a really important step to be looking into you know that technology and pe because that's where the world's moving towards. So giving children these exposures at such a young age is really, really cool idea. And actually, I remember back when I was in third grade, when our teacher gave us pedometers in PE class, and he had one student that was sat out. He had him shaking it the whole lesson, and he had us time to see who would do more. And it's cool to see that those who didn't engage in PE actually had more steps. So it was like a nice idea. Nice little theme. All right. Well, I think the uh, the article as well as the blog bring up some important questions and some important concerns as far as technology and homework in phys ed. You know, first of all, is there a way that we can integrate technology into phys ed um, in a meaningful way that's actually going to help students um, as far as tracking as well as their education portion of it? Also, is it is it useful or motivating for them? Um, is it effective for increasing physical activity both in the class as well as outside of the class? I think um, there's some different debates you can talk about as far as during class and outside of class. I think during class, uh, wearable technologies could be important for both the students and the teacher 
So the teacher might be able to see if the students are actually hitting those moderate to vigorous physical activity levels that they would like them to during class. So I think it can be important for the teacher as well as it can be important for the students um, outside of class as well to kind of track their fitness levels and what they're doing. Obviously, with the uh, some of the students responses for um, the study that was completed with the move band, that was just one way that you could track um, some physical activity. I know there's a lot of different devices out there as well, so it might be interesting to see if they were to use something like an Apple Watch or something that maybe didn't need a computer. Maybe they could use their cell phone or something like that that might be a little bit more accessible to them. It seemed like some of the um, students had some issues with taking it off when they were going swimming or participating in their sporting events. Um, so that was unfortunate that maybe they weren't tracking everything that they would like to. I'm wondering if the students who were okay um, that actually liked using the move band and thought it was useful, maybe those were some students who um, weren't participating in some physical activities outside of class. Maybe they weren't participating in sports already and that was actually motivating and useful for them um, to actually increase their physical activity levels. So I'd be interested to see um, you know, how, what kind of categories those students fell under as far as those who were already participating in physical activity or sports versus those who maybe weren't. Uh, yeah, reading through Risto's paper, there's something that kind of caught my eye. And normally I'm not the biggest advocate for making PE overly competitive. Uh, however, I think there could be a lot of benefit in setting up the fit unit in the way that the research <coughs> Did, which kind of allowed the students to anonymously compete and compare their physical activity scores to their classmates. And, you know, especially for the students that have that competitive gene or that competitive instinct, I think that element of the fit unit could really give those kinds of students some, some needed motivation to be more physically active. And, you know, looking at it from the eyes of the student, because you don't know who is who on the database, I think that sort of safeguards against some of those unsporting behaviors that some kind that sometimes kind of show up when there's competitive activities in phys ed. So that was that was a part of the the fit unit that I really liked. Uh, one thing that I thought of while I was reading the blog is that PE more than I think any other subject is kind of inherently anachronistic. And I think that a lot of PE teachers are kind of against um, new forms of technology in that they often have this idea of like, if it wasn't around when I was in PE, we don't really need it. Um, and I think that one, one thing about technology and PE and integrating technology and PE is that it's often kind of seen as like a silver bullet. And the idea of like, well, students are on their phone all the time. So if we just kind of integrate a screen into our class, they'll automatically take to it. And one thing that the blog talked about is some students took to it, some students enjoyed it, some students did it just like any other thing in PE. Um, you know, some students will, when you do a soccer unit, some students will want to do soccer every day, they'll totally take to it. Some students will enjoy it the first day, and then the next day when you go to do it, they, they won't. Some students will just not take to it at all. And I think the same thing goes for technology. Um, whether it's a pedometer, a heart rate monitor, a, a Fitbit, what have you, um, some students will take to it and some students won't. I think that's what kind of needs to be 
remembered that, you know, just because this is the most, you know, technology savvy generation ever, that doesn't mean that in a PE setting, they are automatically going to take to a new form of technology. I, I think for me, it, it, it raises questions about the use of digital technologies in physical education. And the question is, it, is it worth it? Um, and I think the answer I always came up with is no, because it distracted me from what I think is important in physical education. And actually, this paper's made me question that position. I think, well, technology is not going to go away and uh, education, physical education needs to make a decision whether we want to um, educate children for it and the use of it and they're doing that anyway or or whether we we don't do that um so it's left me questioning something for a long long time i've i've thought that technology is not worth it um but what do we need to do risk and that would be a question for risto what do we need to learn what do we need to do to make technology worth it within physical education lessons and overcome the problems that you found uh, within that study? I think, uh, I think it's my turn. Thanks, Alex. Uh, the, the students did a wonderful job, some uh, excellent points uh, as well. Um, I wanna center in on the discussion about homework uh, from my perspective, just there was a lot of key points that I think the students bring up and Alex bring up, and I just want to bring into the discussion, uh, you know, it's related, the homework, the technology, you know, it, it kind of gets into a bigger discussion for me. And, and I want to, you know, center in on that, the idea that we have uh, a discipline that has to still at this point in, engage with discussion about homework in, in, uh, in the discipline. And I do think it points to a larger issue that all of us know about our standing in the hierarchy of, uh, of value in the K through 12 sphere. And I think that's the problem here. Now, I don't know what the answer is necessarily regarding that, but I think it does point to some of Risto's uh, and his colleagues' Uh, you know, conclusions in in the article as well that I think uh, our students have centered in on meaningfulness, uh, a one size all, you know, be, be wary of one size all. I think that is an important point to consider. Uh, the other thing that I that that I notice and speaking from uh, a teacher educator's perspective that in, in North America, uh, you know, and in, in potentially getting a little philosophical here, but that this, this again, this dualistic approach to to separate uh, the, you know, activities that are physical versus cognitive versus effective and social emotional. We have a tendency to do that here. And uh, I counter uh, or contend that when someone is swinging a golf club uh, to suggest that that is only a physical task. Um, and there's nothing going on in the brain at the same time is uh, is just completely absurd. Uh, you, I'm in a, the physical education profession and many of us can attest given the pandemic that we're dealing with right now, but I, 
I spend a bulk of my time being cerebral. I sit at a desk. I, I, I work from my desk to suggest that physical education is not, uh, does not include cognitive aspects and, and so forth. And to separate it that way is problematic. So getting back to the homework piece, for those to, to perhaps claim or dispute issues with having homework in PE, my, my question is that, why do we always have to think about physical education as being separate or something that doesn't include cognitive aspects or critical thinking or what have you? Yeah, I appreciate everybody's uh, thoughts and opinions on the, on the paper. And I, I think, you know, in the very beginning, the whole purpose of the research project was to teach through the accelerometers. And so I think that was the kind of novel thing that I was trying to do is to not use them to measure how much have you moved, but to teach them what a physically active day was. And so to all of you, you know what a physically active day is because you feel it, you've been in your body for you know X amount of years, you understand if you've been physically active or not. The, the stuff that the students learned, some students learned, was that walking was physical activity, right? Which to us seems like obviously that's physical activity, but for them, they didn't equate that. They didn't equate it to being physically active. So when they were able to monitor their daily walking, one of the kids went out around Halloween to a pumpkin patch and walked around and got like 20,000 steps through that day because they were just walking around with their family and they didn't understand that that counted. So that was the point. And uh, Alex, to your point earlier about, you talked about, you know, was it, is it worth it? And I think it depends. You know, we, we had another paper that uh, Dylan co-authored with me uh, that took in the teacher's point of view. And the teacher's point of view was they are willing to accept technology and integrate technology if it augments their class, but it doesn't replace what they're doing. I think Ash, you you talked about in one of your papers, I've cited that, you know, the technology can't be just like a gizmo to replace something. It can't be just another thing to just throw in. It has to have an educational purpose. And that for for this paper was that the educational purpose of integrating this was to teach them. I didn't need to have them wear it for the rest of their lives just so they can say, oh, today I got 10,000, right? But to, but to do that, again, this was in grade six, seven, and eight. So they're much younger. They might not understand what that physical activity is like. Um, and interestingly, this, this was done at the same time without me knowing that Kerner, Goodyear, Casey, Quinterstead, they had these series of papers about surveillance and self-surveillance and the issues of monitoring students and i'm like on my island by myself doing my research and not paying attention to that so i was not as critical in in looking at those things in this paper and i think charlie i i commend you in, in this fact that when you read the paper and you're like i didn't really get much out of it i read tons of papers like that i'm like didn't click with me. It didn't really like. I didn't get much more out of it, and uh, I think I think that's absolutely valid. Um, I think. Let me see here. Um, 
Yeah, and, and I think the um, the idea of using these accelerometers, um, David, you talked about pedometers being used back like when you were in third grade. Now we use accelerometers. Like I have an accelerometer on my wrist that I can now wear the entire day when I sleep. I charge it on my hand, and the charger is remote. It can, you know, I can swim with it. I can shower with it. I love the data that I get from this. I'm very motivated by that. You know, there are people who are embedding like computer chips in their body in 2020. And you think about what's going to happen in 2040. Are we going to have external accelerometers or are you going to go in for a super quick surgery that's going to put in a tiny chip and it's going to sync to whatever device that we have in 20 years? I don't think that's going to go away. And I think the more we can explain digital media literacy, do we understand the graphs? Do we understand how to interpret our, our movement patterns? And is it important to know? I think those are things that we need to consider as well as physical educators going forward is students are going to be getting a ton of data. They're going to be getting a ton of data in their life what data is valuable what do you need to learn from it how do you interpret it is that the math teacher that teaches that or is that the pe teacher that teaches how to interpret those charts and graphs and the amount of micronutrients that are going in your body and so on and so forth rant over thank you <laughs> uh, i now get a chance to respond to all of you so yeah, this is uh, this is it. So I'm going to go through. Um, I'm going to start with Risto's point that you set out to teach them. And then I'm going to go to Charlie's point that he didn't get anything out of the paper. And, and I'd say that I don't think you put that message front and center, Risto. And I think you're, you're right in saying that the technology came before the pedagogy in this process, because I think that you have very, what you just said there, you had very, um, laudable and, and really good outcomes. But I think the process of writing research sometimes sterilizes that. Uh, and I think in this case, you actually sterilize the learning and your aspirations for learning out of the paper. Because um, I don't think I got that in my reading um, as well. I mean, I got a lot out of the paper, but I don't think I got that, that notion of, of teaching um, them about physical activity. And I think that's a really important thing that we can all take on board, whether, you know, what is the crux of what you're writing about and what are you saying? Because you can, if you leave it on the on the cutting room floor, then it never gets read and it never gets understood. And I think that's really important. Um, David, I like the idea of wearing technology, but we're getting to the extreme. So it, it made me laugh actually, because um, in Chi I think it's in China, they have health insurance based on the number of how physically active you are. But they also have devices that deliberately take steps for you so you can put your Apple Watch onto um, a device that takes steps for you. It literally sits there and vibrates and it works in exactly the right way. So you can get your step count up to 20 or 30,000 doing, by doing nothing and lower your health insurance. So, you know, we end up with these, these processes that what, what, is it, what is the purpose? So counting steps is, is great if, if, as Rista says, Rista says it's beneficial. Um, Ali, uh, yeah, I, I think you know there's lots of work around do 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 other devices work, and and I think had 
Risto have done the paper now. I think there's a huge there's, things have taken such massive steps forward that you, they are waterproof and you can wear them in the pool. And um, but we have to think about the affordability of these things as well. So, and I think that was something you brought out really well in the paper that some people didn't have the technology at home. Mum wouldn't let them use the computer or they couldn't connect to the Wi-Fi. And this is one of the big limitations in terms of, of, of using these processes. And um, and how, how do we make that equitable? Um, yeah, equity, not equality, I guess. So having one is not the same as being able to use one, I guess. Sure. Um, um, and Paul, you were talking about the competitive side and, and it flashed up to me. We did a previous this, uh, chat on the fitness gram um, process um, and I just uh, and, I, and I think that the competition competition for some is a real motivator isn't it and I think you can you can certainly bar by into that but for some people it's a real put off and if they again if they lose week week on week it can be can, can be quite difficult I remember when uh, um, someone was setting up a, a Fitbit study uh, some members of staff we wore them to see what it'd be like and they were being with they were just <laughs> they were so competitive three you know phys ed um re 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 researchers just trying to get the most steps possible um was um probably very productive and counterproductive <laughs> in that sorts of steps so i can see it working in some really good areas um i think um greg what what, what you said um about silver bullets and screen time relates to me to Alex's point about is it worth it um, uh, and, and I think the answer to that is yes and no what I tried to put across in, in, in the blog was the example that we used in the games making unit I'd sat on that idea of using wikis for about a year um, and I wanted to do it but I couldn't work out how uh, and I think we sometimes we've got to get away from these these you know the shiny things and and the you know the glimmering things and they will be and, and find real pedagogical reasons why they could work and as it turned out that wiki thing worked really really well but in ways that we didn't anticipate so the kids made it homework as opposed to us making it homework which kind of fifth and feet and i guess to your point clancy um and i kind of wondered when you were saying that is who separates pe from the co from the cognitive and actually i think it's most people, and I think it's the social construction of P does that, um, and it's the people who run PE. It's the parents who did PE. It's the administrators who did PE 20, 30 years ago. It's the kids who hear this message from home and hear this message in class that that's what PE is, and it just continually cycles itself. So. Um, I guess that's my feedback, and now I open it up to everybody else to to uh, you know have a have another go, and and that's not the right word at all, but kind of come back to me or or to each other and, and pick it up. And I'm just going to leave it open. If there are long pauses, then I'll just edit them out. But I'd like to start with Ali, Charlie, David, Paul, or Greg. Yeah, I can go. I can make amends for saying nothing last time. Um, <laughs> no, I did get, and I'd forgotten that, about the 
the math teachers and the English teachers and how that can interlink with PE. And it goes to what um, Joe was saying in one of our GPS lectures, how every kind of teacher is an English teacher. Without teaching a kid how to, like, in like the simplest sense, like what a ball is, how to evaluate what passing is and things like that. I think it's quite interesting with the math analogy. You could argue that if we are going to use Fitbits and activity trackers, then the PE side would have to explain how to read graphs and the axes and everything to do with that, which, as you say, is typically seen as a more maths-based um, thing. But yeah, I'm going to duck out after that. Yeah, uh, one thing that uh, Risto mentioned is um, kind of giving the students the tools. And I don't, I think that when you're talking about technology and PE, I don't think it is, I don't think that the main purpose of it should be, um, you know, having a more engaging fitness unit, as an example. I think that's a good byproduct. I think that that's an ancillary purpose. But I think that the, the foundational purpose of integrating any technology into a PE class is giving the students tools that they can use beyond your class, outside of school, beyond graduation, things like that, to be healthier. And I like that's one of the really cool things about technology today is that there are more ways to be healthy today than there were a year ago or two years ago or three years ago. There are more ways to track and understand your health, you know, um, whether it be fitness wise, whether it be in the realm of nutrition, I mean, anything. And so I think that you know, technology and PE, its main purpose is to give students the tools to utilize that technology on their own. Going off of what you just said, Greg, um, I think of wearable technology as something that could be useful for the learning environment that we currently have right now. So some schools are in completely virtual environments. Some schools are in more of a hybrid or a non-traditional learning environment where teachers may not see the students every week even. Um, maybe they see them once a week or something like that. So it's a lot less of the, that face-to-face -face interaction. So I think if you're able to use wearable technology, it might be a little bit more useful in those um, virtual or non-traditional settings. Um, through my own student teaching that I just finished up last week, it was completely virtual. So it was something that was maybe not what I was expecting to walk into, but I definitely noticed some, um, some positives of that type of learning environment. I think the students were challenged to actually take a little bit more responsibility or ownership over their education as well as their own physical activity levels, especially if they weren't having phys ed um, every day or every other day like they might have had in person. So I think, um, you know, that wearable technology could be really important, especially in these non-traditional learning environments that we're in at the moment. And if, if I may add, add one more thing, um, I think that one thing that the blog touched on um, that I think really needs to be um, integrated into any discussion or paper article about technology and PE is the idea of accessibility, right? Because, you know, it's not uncommon in the United States to have two students at the same school who one comes from this side of the river, one comes from that side of the river, and this one doesn't have both parents at home. This one doesn't have, uh, reliable Wi-Fi or access to the internet, whereas 
the one who's in the same class has all of those things, right? So, um, and I think that like with this pandemic, that was brought to the forefront of the conversation in, ed in education in general, right? Because we're asking students to be virtual learners and, you know, some students have everything that they need to do that already. And some students don't even have, you know, access to a computer. So um, I, I think that that is one of the most foundationally important aspects of any conversation of technology and PE. There's something that strikes me, and I'll move on to um, I'll let Alex and Clancy and, and, and Risto can come in again, or indeed anybody else. But I think, um, Ali, you've made some really interesting points about doing PE in ways that you didn't expect to do it, probably when you aspired to be a teacher. It wasn't in, in the environment you, you ended up in. Um, and I think it's challenged students to be more active, but I think it's really challenged teachers to think of new ways of being, of what physical education means in, in these environments. And I've seen some fantastic examples, um, both of our, from our students, um, but also um, through so through social media and I'm afraid I've seen some terrible examples as well um, I think there's a security in going into a school and teaching PE in the way it's supposed to be taught um, I think there's some real challenges when you have to do that differently um, especially when you're you're asked you're basically asking kids to work in a non-traditional way throughout a, a traditional school timetable so we're asking kids to sit in front of computers for hours and hours and try to digest, you know, these these processes. And, and in that is physical education trying to do its bit as well. Um, I think that's really difficult. I mean, we're missing um, and one, one, one of our normal contributors. Um, but one thing we know about Cam's uh, Wi-Fi is it tends to go down or because he's at home with five other people trying to jump on the same Wi-Fi system and all do lectures at the same time. Um, and that's in a, you know, that's, you know, that's in a student house, but there's multiple people using it. Most people are working in places where there are four or five people on the same Wi-Fi where there wouldn't normally be. And that again is putting, you know, putting strain on, on, on the system. So I think we're putting, Pedagog pedagogical strain on the system, but we're also putting just usage strain on the system. Um, and we need to be more innovative in, in terms of the way that we we do things. So I'll throw that up to anyone. I think when we have these discussions, you know, I, I in my original comments, I talked about homework and then coming back to this discussion of uh, technology, Alex talks about whether it's worth it, and then Risto mentions purpose, and and then you know Ash talks about uh, the execution versus the pedagogical learning that that you know perhaps uh, uh, prefaces it, and uh, I think that's the key to all of this. Uh, David brought up an, an excellent point: the intersection between PA, PA and PE. Um, I think if anything that we're learning and, I, you know, just to kind of rephrase what Ash has said, that we have to, you know, we have to adapt, no question, give a look at the pandemic, but we have to come up with ways to make learning meaningful. And that also includes technology. Um, 
if when you when you hear of students lament about the current situation regarding virtual learning or parents lament, they often do so because they 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 don't see the meaning, they don't see the value, they don't see the learning. However, if we can figure out, if we can come up with ways to make the learning meaningful, to to perhaps mitigate the intersection between PA and PE, as David pointed out, then I think um, our constituents will perhaps see the meaning much more so than we have currently. I think the, the big thing that I learned from this was that I tried to do too much too soon. And I think that translates really well over into beginning teachers, right? That you are going into your first classes to understand that if you want to do something big, start with the small steps, right? Integrate one thing, integrate with one class, see how it works to build it up. I went into 12 separate classes, worked with 12 different teachers, try to get them to integrate a math lesson, try to integrate uh, English language arts, while giving them accelerometers, starting to do homework, which was not a part of their school, normal like physical education. So I crashed in a ton in a short amount of time. And um, I, I made some assumptions, right? I assumed that of course they're gonna have computers at home. They are in this school, but the school is so socioeconomically diverse then, so the students that I, you know, assumed had them, maybe they did, maybe they didn't. And I think that was one of the things that ended up coming out of here where I had a huge drop off in motivation of using the accelerometer. I had a huge drop off in certain schools just not turning in homework because the teacher couldn't all of a sudden make one period have to turn in homework for extra or for points where the other ones weren't. So they didn't make it a part of their grade they were just asking nicely to do it and students kind of figured that out and like well why do i have to do the extra work and so i think and those are those are things that ash i think you're right on point that you know when i wrote this paper this is my first this is off my dissertation it's my first kind of paper going into a good journal and i'm so worried about putting in the explanation that i kind of missed the forest for the trees or the trees for the forest because i can't even figure out what's going on in in my writing and so i i think that you're you're right on that i think that there are the way that i do research now and the projects that i do much different they're year-long engaged programs that i'm continuously listening to students over time trying to figure out how to make a student-centered space in hindsight this project was a very top-down approach it was me coming into the school and saying hey i have this uh, project that i'd like to do i'd like to teach you how to use accelerometers i'm trying to do this whereas i didn't actually check to see if that was what they wanted and i don't think that there's a lot of research in physical education that is a blank slate as a researcher walks into a school and says what would you like to know how can i facilitate what you need in this school 
and how can I bring the resources to you? And so I think the takeaway for research wise, you know, not doing too much too soon, but also as a future educator, or current educator who's getting started is to not do everything, not integrate all the technology and all the other subjects and start small and build on it. Well, um, from listening to you all, I, I see that there are two key challenges here for PE teachers, teacher educators and researchers to work together to find out some answers. And the, and the first one, uh, which I think is specific to your paper, Risto, is the use of digital technology to enhance the learning experience in PE. But there's another one, and this is the one that's challenging me personally now, and that's using PE to educate children to navigate their online lives outside of school, specifically their online lives that are linked to movement, physical activity and health. Um, they're both challenging. Um, and I think they're the ones that we probably all need to work together to try and come up with some good answers. Paul, I'm going to come to you next in a second. So I'm just pre I'm prepping you for, uh, <laughs> for something. But Rista, I think you make a really good point. Um, and I think this is when you have different needs to the school. So um, I think any form of research, uh, doctoral study particularly, is driven by a review of literature and it's driven by finding a gap in the literature and, and then trying to find people to work with and it's time bound and, and there's very specific outcomes for, for the, the researcher um, and you and you have to balance that with the needs of the school. Um, I think if I went into a school and said what how can I help you um, I might end I might I'd be asked to help in ways I didn't want to help or was not capable of helping so it's a little bit of a chicken and an egg process there mm -hmm. I find it very useful when people come to me and say I'm interested in this can you help me with it because at least I know there's a kind of an identify, uh, identification of practice but I think any form of intervention study is a challenge at any point but particularly for a doc for a doctoral student because you have certain things to do um, but in all those processes, you have research driving teaching, and we have an we have an understanding that that researchers are better in some respect than teachers, and they know more and they're more learned, and therefore when they go into schools, they have the autonomy and authority to to tell schools what to do. And, and I think we're moving away from that, but I still think there is that, and I think doctoral studies are really difficult one and I'm not suggesting by any means Risto that you went in and said I know more than you but I think that we all I mean I, I was lucky my, my my PhD was in my own school in my own classes so I had the autonomy to to do the very best that I thought I could and and I guess that was just different um, but it was another thing before I move on to Paul, just to prepare you again, is I, I, I saw something on on social media and then my daughter on the way to school said, oh, we're having some fun lessons today at school. It's going to be a quiz and there's going to be this. And and then on social media, I saw someone say, well, why do we suddenly describe the lessons at the end of term as fun? Because that suggests that the rest of the lessons haven't been fun. 
and we had a discussion about how many of her lessons were fun and she said well quite a few of my teachers are really good fun and I really enjoy them but we have this notion that you know we have fun lessons to finish the term off which also suggests that we have dire lessons or very boring lessons through through the rest of the year which does seems to be doing ourselves a, dis a disservice um anyway I've now finished my two pages of notes so um Paul a couple of really good points made um I guess just to to pick one to go off of I think with this with this fifth unit kind of being like a, a top-down um, interventional approach, I think it, it takes the right kinds of teachers to kind of buy into that. Um, I know like the bottom-up approach is for for some folks it's it's a bit more appealing because it's more self-driven, uh, self-initiated. So I feel like is is. I guess as appealing as and enticing as the fit unit is, I think you know it, it definitely would take the right type of, of school district and, and teachers to be able to buy into that. Um, but that was that was really the point I really wanted to comment on. And then also I I agree with with what Greg was saying a little bit earlier about how I mean with this pandemic there's some silver linings, but I think at the end of this. We're definitely going to see like a, a COVID achievement gap. So, that, you know, the students that are that are coming from a little more affluent families, they have the iPads, they have the laptops, they can connect to Zoom. You know, they still and they have most times they have parents at home that are encouraging them to still do their schoolwork. But on the other side of the table, you have those kids that you know maybe they don't have. Wi-Fi, or maybe they don't have, you know, two good parents at home that are encouraging them to stay on top of their studies. So I feel like coming out of this pandemic, that's that's definitely going to be a concern. Is you know how do we how do we kind of narrow that COVID achievement gap with the students that have technology that succeed during times like this versus the students that that don't have those resources to really thrive in times like this okay we're coming towards the end so is somebody going to speak then Recently, yeah I, I was going to ask um the for the students on the call like what is your opinion on implementing homework into your future classes and you know there's there's not a ton of research that i found on it the research that i have found talks about homework as doing physical homework meaning you send a physical activity log home. You have to get it signed by your parent that said that you played soccer or you did X amount of push-ups. But we talk about taking the cognitive piece out of PE. One of the reasons why I put homework into this unit was that it could bring in that cognitive piece. So I'd like to hear from you all on what your opinion is. Would you implement homework? Would it be more cognitive based? Or do you feel like you can get done what you need during the school time and you don't need homework in PE? Well, interestingly enough, actually today, I, I gave uh, both my year sevens and year eights, so sixth grade and seventh grade, uh, handball classes. I've given them a homework to uh, make a poster for them to share the rules of handball for future PE classes. And they have the whole break and the week after break to get it done. And it's sort of it's to sort of get them to refresh their brains over the next two weeks to have them looking at 
handball games and to sort of try to get them to explore more things during a time away. And I, so I definitely think that homework is an important thing. But as I found from the class, as soon as I told them we have homework, they said, oh, what? No. And, and, and I think and I realized that's probably where I maybe took too big of a jump where I should have maybe built it up by giving them a really small task to do two weeks before and then an even a slightly bigger task the week after. And then this week, now here's that that poster or that little card that I want you to make. So I think it's really, and these are year seven and year eight, so they're really quite young. And I was discussing with my mentor how it's they'll take out of PE whatever I give to them. This is their first experiences with secondary school PE. So it's me to set those routines where actually at the start of every lesson, we do go through our learning outcomes and what we're going to learn today. And then I question them at the end, have we achieved these? And so incorporating homework, I think I realized I need to do a better job of slowly doing that and setting an expectation that will be able to be more used better. And I definitely, sorry to get the last point in, definitely agree it should be cognitive more than physical because the idea of dumb athletes comes to mind where an athlete is not dumb. They To play a sport, they need to be so smart, but in a sporting way. So you can always tap into that as a, or should always be trying to tap into that cognitive development as a PE teacher. At least I think. Yeah, and I, I think that um, I, I agree that homework is not, um, I, I wouldn't say yes or no to it because there are some situations that call for it and there are some situations that don't. But I think that going back to what uh, Clancy said at the beginning of this is that there's this idea that in order for something to be engaging in the cognitive domain, it has to be, it has to involve a pen and a piece of paper. And I just don't think that's true. Um, I think that in order to engage students in the cognitive, affective, psychomotor domain, social, emotional learning, whatever, you should, as a teacher, my goal is to do that every class, no matter what the lesson is, whether it's whether we're doing a 11 on 11 soccer game or whether we're in our health unit, what have you. Um, the goal of a, of a good PE teacher should be to engage all of those domains, no matter what's happening. So I don't think that um, in order to engage students cognitively, we have to send them home with a stack of papers and say, this is due tomorrow. Yeah, um, sort of going off what, what uh, David was saying, I, I really like the idea of making the, making the homework more cognitive based. I feel like, in class, that's really when most of the learning should be focused on psychomotor stuff. And especially when you consider a school day, it's seven or eight hours. And you know, some kids might only have phys ed twice a week, once a week. So when they can get there, I think that should be a top priority, really, to have them be as active as possible. But I think maybe doing cognitive homework you know, outside of class that might be a good avenue for for the profession to explore to kind of help to mitigate some of the marginalization that that kind of exists in our field right now. You know, compared to math, compared to science, historically, phys ed hasn't really included that that homework piece. 
But I feel like if we add that in, if we make more of a case that, you know, phys ed isn't just about learning how to throw a ball or phys ed isn't all about, you know, learning how to swing a golf club, things like that. If we include more, I think, cognitive homework, I think that will definitely make our, our profession seem a little bit more intellectual. Um, yeah, and I feel that, you know, it's definitely going to have some, it's definitely going to get some flack at first. And that was kind of observed in Risto's paper. The homework was, was perceived kind of lukewarm. I mean, some enjoyed it a bit more, but for others, it was, it was a bit, it came in as a bit of a shock. But I think that's, that's something that we should try to work through to, to try to make our profession seem a little bit more intellectual and, and to try to kind of hit on those cognitive uh, learning outcomes a little bit better. So I think this is, this is something the field should definitely work towards. And I think it might be something we would struggle through for a little bit because it's been absent from our field for so long, but I, I kind of see a lot of benefit in it. And I think that we have, you know, pretty much every single PE teacher has in some way engaged online learning now, right? Because of the pandemic. So I think the future could be, you know, it could look a lot better with something like flipped learning, like flipped classrooms that, um, you know, you're giving them assignments before class and you're coming in and putting them into perspective or you're doing the cognitive stuff in a quick module outside of class and you're coming in and doing the practical stuff and putting it into work. And I, and I know that there's been some recent research. I know Ash, one of your doc students, uh, did some of the flipped learning stuff as well, right? So I think that that has a huge potential and we now have, you know, in, in a not ideal way, but we've trained all our PE teachers to be able to do something online. So every teacher could potentially now have some aspect of that. Put up videos of the history of a sport, put up videos of the rules of a sport. So you're not taking time when you do a warm up and then you come in and you sit, sit down and listen to the teacher for 10 minutes to describe what activity they're doing. It can be a shorter version of that if they can go in and go to Google Classroom and watch the video before. To go off one of the points that both Paul and David mentioned earlier, um, I think a lot of students aren't used to having a lot of homework in phys ed, so they might have a little bit of resistance to it at first. So I think if we include it um, occasionally, not every single class period, but if we include it occasionally, it can definitely supplement what they're learning in class. I also think there's something to be said for offering choices um, for homework assignments. So maybe one student would prefer to express themselves through a written assignment, whereas another student would prefer to be a little bit more artistic. Maybe they're making a collage or something like that. So I think if the students have a choice of how to complete a certain assignment, then um, you know, you're able to still involve different learning domains, but they might be a little bit more engaged and it's more uh, personally meaningful to them and it might be something that they're more willing to do. I, I think that's a great point, Allie, and it kind of lends to what Risto and, and Greg and David and uh, have mentioned. You know, just when we think about technology, the article stresses that a one-size-fits-all uh, philosophy it may, is not appropriate and the same thing applies uh, whether it's technology or homework if we can provide choice um, that again will 
inspire students to express themselves, which is what we're trying to do. Uh, and we want them to learn. So if we give them opportunities to be inspired, it's no longer homework. It's something they want to do. I applaud David, the poster assignment. Yes, maybe it was a, a bigger pill to swallow to start with. Maybe a baby step could be, you know, some sort of small journal entry or an exit slip or something. I don't know. But I applaud David because I imagine that some, back to Greg's point, some would enjoy doing that, but some wouldn't. But it's, it's our objective as educators that we have to be able to provide lots of different ways for students to express their learning. I'm going to um, come in as a final point because I'm, I'm aware that we're at the hour mark now and, and we probably want to stop this otherwise because people probably got other places to be as well. But I'm going to kind of mention the 2%. So, you know, PE for most people is about 2% of their waking week. So to me, the ultimate outcome of PE is homework, that we want people to go and be, think about activity and help their parents to be active and their kids to be active and their siblings to be active and them to be active. So ultimately the purpose of, to me, the purpose of PE has to be homework. Um, and we have to find ways of making that happen um, or, or facilitating that or educating young people to take those choices and that choice might not be made next week but it may be made in 10 years time when they they know they you know the the penny finally drops and they realize that they need to or or whatever and they're, they're informed enough to go and, and make those decisions so to me homework is a must it is the whole purpose of physical education surely um it might not be always physical it might not be it might well be cognitive it will certainly be effective affective in terms of the way that we feel and I, I guess that's my passing shot is that you know homework is the ultimate goal of physical education so Ash, I, Ash, I could just say one thing to that I that is that is beautifully said um for for children and then inherently for adults, so children who ascend to be community members, for them to lead a healthy lifestyle requires homework. And physical education sets the precedent to do that. I, I, I couldn't say it any better myself. And, and even one small, maybe maybe a fraction of, by, by thinking about that contribution of, of, of the greater community perspective from a public health context, maybe advocacy, in our profession as well. And that's where our discussions ended. I'd like to thank Ali, Charlie, David, Greg and Paul for their insights as pre-service teachers and Alex, Clancy and Risto for lending our discussions an alternative and insightful perspective. We'll be back again in the new year and it just leaves me to wish you a fantastically restful break over the holiday period. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and hopefully you'll choose to catch up with us next time. <laughs>